Hey, everybody. It's Thursday night, and it's time for another podcast of loathing. I'm your host, Zach. And I'm Riff. And I'm Kevin. I didn't I didn't hear you clap. Did you clap? Yes. Did you also clap? Yeah. Yes. Good. Guys, right. everything is going to be fine. We're not at all rusty at this loathing podcast stuff. <laughs> it's true. Big, busy times in the world of loathing. We got DLC. It's almost done. The D in DLC stands for done. Ish. Like, <laughs> close. Um, yeah. It's uh, big. There's a lot of rooms. Yeah. There's a... And a lot of spooky ghosts. Here's a, here's a spoiler Sheesh. for you. You're just giving away the whole As thing. As this is a uh, Halloween 2016. <laughs> <laughs> Came out a year before yeah. Lust of Loathing did. Yep, it's pretty good. <laughs> anyway, out before we do another podcast, I bet. <laughs> no. Oh, no. We'll never be able to do another podcast. That's not how dates work. <laughs> you don't think? Nope. <laughs> if we're doing a podcast every two weeks. Oh, well, okay. Another another Loathing podcast. Yeah, come on. You're, I, okay, okay, I didn't think that we were going to release it between now, now and, and this evening. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fine. Um, sure. yeah, but that's, that's what we've been doing. And I've been making a new item of the month for uh king kingdom of loathing. And Chris has been busily, uh, cranking out the basic uh, codes and, and codes and source codes and black holes and, and revelations for the challenge path that's coming up. We got to figure out what that is. I'm kidding. We know what it is. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it'll really get your blood pumping. <laughs> that's the spoiler about it is that it's exciting. Uh-huh. Um, shall we get right into uh, the questions? Sure. Uh, Disc Death writes, The mobile interface is really good. I don't normally have a reason to use it, what with usually being near my computer, but I was on holiday recently and it made it really easy to play. Good job on that. Well, that's good. There's other questions that are like, when are you going to overhaul the terrible mobile interface? <laughs> it's terrible. And how many people use it? And uh, because of those questions, I looked into how many people use it, and it has gone from it was hovering around fifteen percent of play being on the mobile browser for a really long time, and now it is at thirty, pretty wow. consistently. Yeah, so that's weirdly more of a thing than it used to be. It's still, and this is not to say that Chris has not done a good job with it because he has. It is just a nigh impossible task to make something that works. Yeah. Uh, just because KOL is a nightmare agglomeration of messy interfaces. Um, Anyway, uh, Disc Death continues, with being in a different country, rollover was a different time, which caused me to wonder, why is rollover when it is, and why is it called rollover? I don't know why it's called rollover. Hmm. That's when... It's when the day the... rolls over. We don't refer to midnight as rollover of the real world. Well, it's when all the numbers go from 999 to 000. But it's not. It's when all the numbers go from 0 to 40. <laughs> in, like, zero seconds. Um... So, yeah, I like we need to advance the day that it is in KOL. And because right. of the way that's stored, we have to log everybody out to do it, basically. Uh, it used to be that we had to log everybody out for rollover just because it would get real laggy because of all the giant database operations that had to be performed. And it would start to cause weird issues where stuff could get duped yeah. if you did stuff during rollover. And so we just started kicking everybody off. Um, rollover is it like... 
8.30 Arizona time. And we arrived at that time back when we were working on KOL a lot and when our schedules were generally much later and it was a time when it would be reasonable for us to all be awake during it and it a time when it was okay for us to be on the hook to work during it because there was a lot of stuff rolled out at rollover. Why did we never do like noon? I mean, I... I wanted it to happen at night, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you were playing at school or if you were playing at work, I wanted it to be a thing where when you showed up in the morning, you played your turns for the day and then the next morning it was better, which granted would have been true if we had done it at noon. But like we weren't the kind of people who were like we were less likely to be at work at noon than we were at at 830 (laughs) at that point in our lives, right? Like especially Riff. I don't even know if Riff, I don't even know if you're, are you more likely to be awake at noon or at 8.30? Or are you always awake at both, like an adult? Um, I am more likely to be awake at 8.30. I'm always awake at 8.30. I am but not, you're not always, not awake, always at awake at noon. Yeah. Even if you sleep for 30 straight hours, you're, you, you've got to have skipped at least a couple 8.30s. No, he's got an alarm set for 8.30 just so that he can uh, be right in that thing he just said. <laughs> it's very important to him. His, his clock has stopped, but just so that he can wake up at that time. Oh, wait, did you mean 8.30 a.m. or p.m.? P.m. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Somebody, we just got owned here, not pigeons, wrote, why is there multi-abuse rules for KOL? Anyone can make a multi, so it's not like I'm getting an advantage that nobody else can. (laughs) Which, he's right. (laughs) Because anyone can make multis, it is not possible for multis to give you an advantage that a player without multis hmm. does not have. Because any baseball player could carry a pistol. <laughs> uh, wait, are you saying that people shouldn't use pistols in the sport of baseball? No, that's that's I know reserved, there's no crying that's in That's reserved for, uh, oh, God, what was it? It was like... Umpires? No, it was, it was a gag. Vampires. It was a sketch from uh, Upright Citizens Brigade. It was like death ball or super baseball or some ultra ball or something. But one of the rules was that there is a there is a white chalk circle on the on the ground, like six feet behind the uh, the pitcher's mound that always contained a loaded handgun that no one was allowed to touch. Chekhov's baseball. Yeah. Chekhov's balls. <laughs> uh, Hamfish writes. If West of Loathing had voice actors and a budget of infinity, who would you ideally want to voice the pardoners? I would argue that if West of Loathing had a budget of infinity, I still would not put voice acting in it. It wouldn't have been out. It wouldn't have come out yet. Yeah, maybe. Budget maybe of that's true. Yeah, if it that's, had a budget of infinity. That's a problem, right? Like, you wouldn't have played it. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe we would have hired, like, a thousand people and we would have gotten it done in one one thousandth the amount of time that it took. <laughs> uh, let's see. So, cra- Pete, Crazy Pete, I would want it to be brad pitt but like a hundred year old brad pitt <laughs> okay like a like like a benjamin button uh yeah yeah exactly <laughs> no i'm thinking i'm thinking like uh like um not brad Dourif? 12 monkeys not brad pitt not no uh, he needs the he needs to be animated he needs the like cartoon brad pitt <laughs> yeah okay yes. uh let's see uh Gary would be John Leguizamo. 
Um, Susie would be Charlize Theron. I don't really remember her voice. I just... You think she fits the character? Yeah. And Doc Alice would be... Rachel Weiss. I was going to say Catherine O'Hara. Okay. What about you, Riff? What do you think? That, that sounds reasonable. Yeah. Well, good. I guessed correctly. Yeah. <laughs> Elfin writes, You've demoed West of Loathing at a lot of cons now. Are there any lessons you've learned about how to set up a booth? We have our own take on it, which I, I learned a lot from uh, the folks who ran the Thimbleweed Park booth uh, from Ron and Jen. They had, in a 10 by 10 booth, they had like 8 or 10 playable stations of their game set up because they were also making sort of like a narrative-heavy adventure game. So you had to be able to sit down and read a bunch of stuff. And like get into it. Like you had to be able to play it for 15 or 20 minutes to really get a sense of it. Of like why it was a good thing. Um, And so that was, I was like, oh, okay. So we can literally put like a bunch of laptops on a table that people can sit at and play the game. Uh, We had the advantage that we can also demo the game on like the Switch and and like iPads. And so we would just, we bought a bunch of iPads and we would just hand those out to anybody when once all of the, the sort of stations at inside the booth were full we would then hand those out to people um and so i guess we like we just learned sort of how to deal with traffic and like or- orienting the booth such that it was easy for people to get in and out uh how to like store stuff in the corners we had a big tv up front in the display so that people walking by could could see somebody playing the game um, one thing that, and I'm going to sound like an old Republican here for a minute. Uh, one thing that we have learned is that you're better off just not dealing with the unions at convention centers uh, in almost every way. So we've sure. always we've always like done kind of guerrilla load ins. Like we spent a lot of time running the Comic Con booth for Kingdom of Loathing, and the stuff that we kind of learned over the course of that was to make a booth out of things that are very portable. Like yeah. th- there was nothing, there was no part of our booth that one person couldn't carry in to it. And that just meant that even if you weren't allowed to load in by yourself, we could load in by ourselves because nobody's going to stop a guy carrying a box right. or a bag. Um, it like somebody with a bunch of stuff on a dolly, like maybe you have to try four doors before somebody lets you in, but like, that's fine. We, um, I feel we like built a lot a- of indie game booths are just like a couple of banners and then a laptop or two, and that's their whole booth. And it's that's fine, but if, especially if you want to get a bunch of people to play your game, you need as many playable stations as yeah. possible, is my so opinion. For the times when we demoed West of Loathing, we tended to just buy sort of copies of the same thing. Yeah. We bought these little stools. Uh, we found some that were like a good balance of quality and cheapness that huge weight limit. Like you could like a three or 400 pound person yeah. could sit on them and it would be fine. Um, that folded up and that, that they were nice enough that we could give them away at yeah. the end. Like they weren't just trash. Uh, uh, we tended to buy one television per city. Uh, yeah. If you rent a television from a convention center like for one day, it's as much well, as it for the, for for the, the duration of a convention. Yeah. It is as much or more as it costs to just go to Target and buy a TV. And we're not even talking about like the, the skeezy thing where you buy a TV and return it. We're just talking about like literally yeah, just buy it, it and then give it away yeah. at the end of it. Or if you know 
friend of the show, David Bass, store it in his garage <laughs> until the next time you uh, or, are exhibiting. Or, or Ryan Ike, composer Ryan, friend Ike. of the show and composer of West of Loathing, Ryan Ike. Yep. Who else do we have? Did did we leave we a TV gave with away Jacob a TV to Davy Reedon? Right, Mister Magnifico has. Yeah, I think Max. Has I think some he has stuff. a TV for us. Yeah, in case we ever need a TV in Boston again. Yeah. I think. I mean, we'll probably demo it, Paxi's, for the next game. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I mean, we have the advantage of having a budget to to do this stuff. So that's that's you know easier. Um, yeah. Well, you kind of have to, right? Like, because the booth isn't free. I mean, you're, you have to spend. It's like on the order of one to two thousand dollars usually to yeah, get it's, a, a booth space and to and to get there and to get there and Travel to have somewhere to lodging. stay. I mean, we're also lucky that we have a big community of people. Uh, often, people that we can crash with, but also more often than not, we'll just get a hotel because we're grown ass men. You would you would happily sleep on somebody's floor. Every time you travel everywhere, I think you like a bed, but I do like a bed. But it's not. I feel like my my threshold for creature comforts has just gotten ridiculous. Not ridiculous, <laughs> just much more ridiculous. Just more of a constraint than yours. Sure. You you will put up with sure less palatial accommodations sure. than I will. <laughs> I have to have a solid gold bathtub, or <laughs> I can't wake up in time to get to the booth. Um. Wear uh, super comfortable shoes. Yeah, old man shoes. What what makes? Sense? I just wear the same kind of shoes that I wear all the time, which are uh, like shoe form factor hiking boots. Did you cut them off of an old man? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah, I cut off an old man in traffic to make it to REI to buy the last pair of these boots. Because um, you're going to end up standing up a lot. We also we we got we put some. Depending on how much space we have, we would also get some like inflatable chairs so that there would be an actual comfortable place for people to sit. Right. And people would end up playing our game more because they wanted to go and sit down in this big inflatable chair. And then they'd be like, oh, I might as well play this game while I'm here. And then they would actually get into it. And then they would buy it and tell all of their friends to buy it and tell all of their famous YouTube streamer acquaintances to famous YouTube stream it. So those inflatable chairs were really worth their weight in inflatable gold chairs. Uh, I think because we also just started using the chairs that the booth provides and just having any place in the booth that people could sit is, I think, an advantage because people are also exhausted from walking around conventions and it's kind of novel to be able to sit and play a game. Uh, Benji writes, what's the official name for the West of Loathing stick figure figurehead guy? The gun and beer guy? The pistol and pint guy? We never really... Yeah, we don't. We didn't talk about him enough to. Because uh, Sword and Martini was super clear. That's got to be Pistol and. I feel like it's I the like... same guy. So he's like it, it's it's still the Sword and Martini guy. It's just he's disguised. That's I think good. for the next game, Pint is good. For the next game, I think it's going to be a lady. Good. I think it's time. All right. I think it's time to it's time to just announce to the world that we're we've turned into a bunch of SJW cucks. Um, is it going to be like what an orb and the shot glass? Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. A book? Maybe that's going to be tough to sell. Yeah, if if we were, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it could be a skull. The other day, uh, the other day, uh, uh, Nick Sutner made the joke about some. <laughs> 
some hubbub on the internet that even a stopped cuck is right twice a day, (laughs) (laughs) which was a pretty good joke. Um, The Erosion Seeker says, Hi, Asim. I think clovers in run need to be changed for the same reason that the VIP Crimbo tree got nerfed several years ago. For context, the tree was something that gave you an extra 500 meat in hardcore, but was dependent on a seven-day cycle outside of run. If you didn't wait for it, you were at a disadvantage. I I did know how the tree worked, and I haven't forgotten everything. Um, But I bet a lot of people don't know. I bet a lot of people who are listening to this started playing after that. So, yeah, that was a thing where... And, like, we've slowly gotten rid of things of this category where things that were sort of worldy about the game world that interfered with speed ascension or competitive ascension in general have have gotten changed just changed yeah or ignored you know there used to be the moon cycles used to have an influence on stat gains right but then that made it so if you wanted to do a competitive run you had to do it outside of they still do outside of outside of uh ronin right right but just all that stuff is um, uh, so yeah, now for clovers, and this is becoming more relevant in slightly slower paths, such as G lover, you now need three days where you get two clovers each and each one clover day puts you several turns behind. I realize this is a very small complaint, but I feel like this is actually even more of an issue than the old stat days were because at least those were predictable and could be anticipated. Even though clover numbers are the same for every player every day, there can be strings of two clover days as well as strings of one clover days and getting the latter can really kill a run considering gold and silver have been decided by as few as two turns. Um, I like the lucky pill. It should probably give a 10-leaf clover instead of a disassembled clover, but I think the clover counts could be standardized in run. Should be. Maybe it should always be 21212 or something like that. So I like the idea of standardizing that, but I like the idea of doing the thing that I keep threatening to do. Not threatening as in like I'm going to do this to you because you you did. <laughs> you kids shut up back there. Because you gonna... disappointed me. But um, – combining clover and semi-rare mechanics to be a thing that you always do on purpose, like making a clover a usable item that makes you lucky, that just gives you like some little flashing four-leaf clover icon in the character pane, and then when you adventure into a place lucky, it gives you either that place's semi-rare or clover adventure. Um, And That just becomes a single category yeah it becomes a single category of things because i have never liked i have i have never liked, and and in fact i would go so far as to say that i have always hated the idea of having to know when your next semi-rare is gonna be and time that to go get i get that it's clever and i get that it feels good to do it right but it is just a kind of a bullshit but i thought you also like like you didn't design that with the notion of it'll be important to to know in advance when this is and that kind of thing it was it was meant to be sort of a an occasional boon especially for the casual player yeah. um, and i and i could imagine like every once in a while it outside of ronin you just an adventure will be lucky like which will give me the give me the same feeling of of glee about about that but just then it just becomes a thing that is much easier to deal with clovers and semi rares I think if they become the same resource, it maybe gets to be a more interesting set of decisions that you make over the course of a run, what to do with them, because you now have a much wider array of of hmm. possibilities, right? Like, at, you could use them all in one place if you wanted. You, you know. Um, so, yeah, I I think that it is probably possible to make that happen without actually having to change any data and 
that will make it so that we can like test it on dev and make sure that there are places that have both. Yeah, we'll have to figure out what to do with those. And so, like, maybe we get rid of them or or move them. There's, you know, some places with maybe there's a good semi-rare and a terrible Clover adventure that no one should ever get or whatever. And that's fine. Like, I don't mind mind getting rid of, like, you know, a Clover adventure in an early zone that gives you, like, 100 meat. Like, uh, that sucks and is kind of a mean thing to do. How would you feel about some sort of, like, retired adventure zone that was just a bunch of old things that... You can't get to it. Oh, like those uh, giant tweezers. Sure. I, yeah, I mean. We just fill it with all the old stuff that we've excised from other places. It could be a, it could be a room in a museum. <laughs> museum of experiences. It seems like it Inter- would. It could be an interactive theater. <laughs> while I like the idea of it, it seems like it would suck in practice because like a lot of the like retired adventures are just like, here's a sentence and you get three meat or whatever. Right, and like, right. that's, that's not, you don't go there for the, for the stats or you go there for the nostalgia. Right? But I would say you don't go there at all. Like what you do is you go read that on you read that sentence on the wiki instead of, instead of spending an adventure to read that sentence, you, you know, I like, I'm genuinely curious and I'm not like I'm not trying to be like argumentative about this and say like oh no no one would go to this it would be a huge waste of time but like I my instinct is that no one would go there I don't think it would be a popular place but I think people would check it out to see things from days of yore I don't know maybe not uh, Grundleshunt says, Sunless Skies is apparently selling about 15% as much as Sunless Sea did in the same time frame. Do you have a contingency plan if that happens to your next game? Our, our contingency plan is more like assuming that that's what's going to happen with the next game and being okay with that. Um, you know, we didn't hire a bunch of people. Yeah, they, they sort of scaled up real, the, real yeah, big. Yeah, they scaled up like crazy after Sunless Sea was successful, and I'm kind of scared for that. I mean, they already had a pretty good sized round of layoffs after the Kickstarter and early access for Sunless Skies didn't do as well as they thought. There's multiple ways of thinking about this, right? Like, I I hate laying people off, and so I think what I, what I tend to want to do when Asymmetric has extra money is feel comfortable that we will all have jobs for longer mm-hmm. as opposed to Oh, we should hire some people so that we more people have jobs, right? right? If if you believe that employing people is like the primary good of existing as a company, and I could absolutely understand why someone would believe that, then you would want to spend all of your money hiring people, and then when you don't have enough money to keep paying them, then you lay them off. I just don't like that idea. I don't know. It's weird though, because it's like, is it better to? Yeah, you know, I don't know. We we got real close to having to do yeah that before West of Loathing came sure. out. Sure, if, if it hadn't, if it had sold yeah, if West of Loathing had sold poorly, yeah, we would have had to. We would have had to. You know, we might have been able to stay at the size that we were before we hired up for West of Loathing, but mm. maybe not even that. Um, but we did have to hire up for West of Loathing, like we did. Yeah, right. Like we had to. There were but, yeah, we did, but we just had to, right? It's not. It's not because we were like, oh, we've got a bunch of extra money. Right. It's like, oh, we could, we could put our we could go into the red basically to 
to staff up, but we need to staff up to make this. Like we literally don't have anyone internally who can do the things that Victor and Wes and, and Ryan could do. And so, um, it's kind of like that. Is it cruel to have children because they're just going to die? Uh, and like, is it better to hire some, I mean, maybe nobody ever thinks about that except for me, but I kind of think about that. I'm like, you know, like I want to have kids, but in a way I'm deciding to create something that then has to spend its entire life knowing that it's going to die and then dies. And that kind of sucks for that theoretical person. Is it better to hire some even worse question now is the what considering the environmental issues, it's (laughs) even worse now. (laughs) If. If, uh, is it better to hire somebody and then lay them off after a year than it is to not hire them at all? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Like if I got a job somewhere, I would like to think that that job is going to end when I decide that that job is going to end. But maybe that's because I'm a control freak, narcissist monster. (laughs) And the only way that I was ever going to be happy was by being the guy in charge of a company as opposed to working for somebody else. But yeah, it's weird. Um, Anyway, if the next Loathing game sells a fraction of what West of Loathing sold, we'll be fine because we didn't need West of Loathing to sell nearly as well as it did to be fine. And we have been extremely conservative with money, I say, in this foam, in this foam palace that we've spent (laughs) $22,000 on so that we could do this podcast. Uh, Less conservative than I would have liked. (laughs) But. Um, but everything it's always going to be less conservative than you would have liked right sure. like the 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 right path is always in everything that we do as a company the right path is always somewhere between my recklessness and your caution and that's why we're in such great shape <laughs> that's why everyone's happy and everyone's healthy we sure. have better health insurance that's one thing that's that we true. that's one thing that we have that we didn't have didn't have to spend money on you know we could have just uh continued to spend all of our savings on single visits to the emergency room. Uh, uh, let's see. Psyche says, hi guys, Zach, I know you don't like word realms very much, but there were a couple of neat ideas about the earth getting stuck in its orbit and people living underground. And I'm wondering if you've ever thought of developing that more somewhere. Yeah. I liked the, the sort of backing world building that we did for a potential MMO there. Uh, the idea of like a tide locked, planet where everything is exaggerated such that like the closer you get to the sun side the more it just becomes like volcanoes and lava levels and the closer you get to the to the dark side the more it's like the glacier and vampires can live there all the time and uh and also like the moon had become uh the moon had gotten destroyed and became a ring and so werewolves were freaked out all the time like werewolves were constantly just like sort of twitching between being uh, being men and being wolves, uh, wasn't weren't there also like bits of the moon that had landed and that's they use that yeah, as a way to like yeah they could they could do it on purpose if they're like yeah. that but but yeah so I don't know I mean there was a bunch of stuff you know that it was we like have a huge we have a huge document that sort of lays out what it's all about and like where the cities are and uh, like, yeah like how crops are grown and stuff like yeah. the there was just a bunch of. Uh, Spent a bunch of time thinking about it. I don't know. I mean, capital it's, city is this cool, like multi-tiered situation because as you like the sun, the sun is coming like par- like perpendicular to the ground, yeah. and so it's built like a huge triangle so that people can be in the light, and so there's this just like fucked up undercity 
yeah underneath it um it's all dark and creepy yeah. and filled with there's like all of these zoning constraints because if somebody builds a building that blocks your view it's it like blocks the sun it's like just blocked permanently all yeah. the time it never changes um, did you see that uh that twitter post about ancient yeah. lights i did i think i and then it was like click here to see where they are or whatever and then it just went to google maps with nothing <laughs> on it i'm like oh London. cool yeah. <laughs> yeah like uh just the idea that if if a window has had sunlight for 20 or 30 years or whatever you can't block that sunlight from that window it from any direct i mean you can't build something that would block the the sun or something but ever like I, so you I like, don't know you couldn't build like an anthill a hundred miles away that just as the sun was setting would cast a shadow onto that window. <laughs> yep. That seems like a very difficult, like some, they have to have defined something. Sure. Right. Uh, Jum Jumbalaya says, hi, chicken friends. Is there any chance that any future content could have artwork done by someone other than yourself? That is a great question. We made a game without, with art, not by you. That's true. Future content, though. We made two games with Art Not By Me. Uh, That's true. Uh, I So huh. I've, I have thought about it. Like, I, I don't mind doing art for these games, and it doesn't – that's more or less never what's holding up the show, and it doesn't – doing the art doesn't prevent me from doing – other work it just uses a totally different kind of internal fuel or at least i believe that um i something that i would be interested to try though is like if i were to put out a put out a call for just like all right i want to contract art because i bet it would also cost almost nothing to get art contracted in this style, if we could find somebody who could match the style and I was just like, just draw me a hundred buildings at this character scale, that would be a very valuable resource to have. And I think that you could draw if you knew about how to draw and how to compose art and stuff that you could probably do something that would match my style, but look way better. But, but that's the thing, like, does the sort of like not quite like off kilter look of most things isn't that part of the style i don't I, there are there are parts of it that are which i think you would you would just match that right like that's that's part of matching the style is that it, it, it it's not going to be like perfect but i think that there are just choices that i make that if i stopped making them it would still look like my art it would just look better would it require that they draw with the same pen that you draw that is a great question like if i couldn't tell the difference then no okay you know i mean you and wes have both made photoshop pens that Sort of that magic. sort of approximate yeah. that, right? And you know, if you can look at the if you can look at the finished product in both of these cases and see, I mean, I don't know about like would they have to? If I was going to be able to like edit it later to reuse, right. then it's going to have to be like you know that 600 DPI, just black and just white, which you know it's fine. Maybe that's not how, maybe they maybe that's an export rather than an import for them, right? But or maybe it's something that I do with it to to be able to do other stuff with it. Um, yeah, that's a good question, and it's something that I have thought about. Out. But 
the the subtle differences in how people draw stick figures and whatnot are pretty significant. Like it, you can tell instantly when something's like an XKCD comic yeah, yeah, versus yeah. a KOL drawing, and they're just you know, that, and none of those look like the stick figure fighting sure. games. And yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, that's it. Wouldn't be like we would just have somebody else just draw it in their style, right? Like, it would have to be. Right, but that's what I'm wondering. Is, is it is it really that easy to capture the subtleties that make it? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really curious. I mean, at some point, maybe I'll decide to spend a couple thousand dollars to try it, and just, we'll see. Do like, some, get some comps. Because it'd be nice to know, you know? Sure. Because, I mean, also, like, what if I get hit by a bus, right? Like, it. I would like for you guys to keep making games, and I think that you could... Yeah, I know you'd be sad, and I appreciate that you'd be sad, but, like, you know. Would you want to keep making games if if Zach was hit by a bus roof? Uh, well, yeah. Huh. I like, yeah, it seems like everybody I like to would. continue paying my bills. Well, right. I mean, I know you want to keep getting paid. All the guys named Bill that Riff, writes, that Riff pays to write for him. <laughs> yeah, yes. I like to call them my monkeys. <laughs> Damastus says, we're approaching nine years since the introduction of clan dungeons. Jesus, fuck. And five years since the last dungeon was released. Are there plans in the works for any more multiplayer dungeons? Maybe utilizing recent group boss battle mechanics, like a dungeon that's just one boss of the clan water heater? Or, you know, anything at all, really? Ah, boy, I don't know. That seems, it seems kind of unlikely. It's a huge it's, amount yeah, of work. It's so much more work than doing something else. <laughs> It's so much That's, more work than not doing it, is what I'm... It, yeah, I mean, it, we already devote so much of our time to Kingdom of Loathing, the idea of, like, devoting a bunch more to doing a, a dungeon feels weird when we have all the other Loathing games in our heads that we want to make. That's And that's the problem, right? Like, we, that is a way in which our resources are limited. Like, we just have don't have time to, to do all of the those those kinds of projects you know the novelty is that theoretically a, a new clan dungeon would bring is what we we put that energy into yeah. challenge pads you know that's what's supposed to keep the game fresh for for people yeah and i you know, i don't want to get like sad or pessimistic about this but like I think the thing that I was forced to conclude for real when we first moved out here and we're trying to figure out what we were going to do next is that there's not there's not some trick we can do to suddenly make KOL the way that it was in its heyday or the 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 way it was in the golden age of whenever some given player like it used to be that as popularity and revenue waned uh, we could just work harder and I could just work harder and counteract that and that made that made my 30s pretty unpleasant like just from a personal point of view and also it didn't work it worked a little bit for a little while, but it stopped working. And so, like, I think there there is some conflation of these factors. Like, as we, like we're obviously paying less attention to Kingdom of Loathing than we used to, and we're adding less stuff to it than we used to. And there is this idea that that is why it is on the decline, as opposed to 
that as opposed to causality going the opposite direction, yeah. which is the actual truth of the matter. Like it wouldn't. If there was a huge influx of players into KOL and like that's where all of the like income for asymmetric started coming from, then I think that would also mean that we would spend a lot more time. Right. Because we would suddenly have a bigger baseline to be maintaining the then again eventual yeah. decline from. But there's just not like it's not coming back like nothing ever does. I could. So but just not not to like contradict you exactly, but I could imagine a situation where we eventually make in the West of Loathing engine or some future version of the West of Loathing engine, a kingdom of loathing game. And I could imagine that, that was multi, that was multiplayer. And I mean, but that would be a new game, right? It that would wouldn't be, be, but I think it would feel similar and people might be really excited about it. And, but it would be a new game. Sure. It would, it would be a different product. That's the thing. Like, no, like, sure. Yeah. We just, I think we also just kind of like the world doesn't really care if you've been doing the same thing well for 15 years, well, people are excited about a new thing. Here's here. Like this would be a terrible idea, but we could, if we wanted to let you transfer your character in KOL into, into but a, I bet enough thing. people would be unhappy about that, that we would end up having to like, well, what we'll really do is just Shut fork it. it. So yeah. KOL is still there, but it's also, yeah. I, I've also been thinking lately about the, I think that there's this idea that you pitched and we all were sort of like, oh yeah, that it would be easy to just sort of remake Kingdom of Loathing in the West of Loathing engine. I bet that that would actually be really difficult because this, the way stuff is in Kingdom of Loathing doesn't really translate to the kind of like adventure gamey style of a West of Loathing game, right? Yeah, like we, we kind of had to write all our way all around the the fact that you're not you're not ever really in a place in Kingdom of Loathing, and so the fact that the West of Loathing engine actually does add places for you to be would would require a lot of alterations you know, in that. We could do a thing like, all right, this is Cobb's Knob, and you know, but then we're just like basically making up a new Cobb's Knob, sure. right? Like we know, maybe we know there's a laboratory in it, and maybe we know there's a kitchen in it, or you know, and that kind of stuff. Like, but it's not like making making the flavor world. stuff can trans flavor stuff can translate across, right? Yeah. And like, what kind of monsters are there in here? But like, what's an ultra rare in a game like West of Loathing, right? Like, what is and and I think that you could extend that to basically any mechanic. In I, mean, I can definitely imagine how those things work, right? Yeah. But I mean, I don't. We also would not make a new standalone game that involved like fighting the same monster a hundred times in a row, right? And right? That's, that's, that not, is, I think, the major distinction, right? Where yeah, where and so there has to be more. There has to be content contextualizing what Cobb's Knob is, other than just these monsters and these drops, and that's just new content that we have to to conceive of yes and write there is but we west of loathing has places that you can go and fight an infinite number of monsters and so you potentially yeah add, no, sure you create those situations which let you have the same sort of grindy bits in yeah no no and and i mean i'm want. i'm into that like i the fact that we like philosophically ended up with west of loathing being way more of a of a, an, adventure, an game. adventure game and less of an RPG doesn't mean that like that's exactly what they're all going to be like from now on right, right. I mean it, especially like given that we don't 
I think we could afford to experiment as long as we, as long as we if we can get into a mode where we can put out one of these things every year and a half or two years, then we can absolutely afford to experiment. Sure. Right. This is not good. Like the last year and a half has not been good evidence that we're going to be able to do that. But it was also not our focus. Right. Like we didn't just start on the next game. We suddenly had like potential to port and we like just a lot of and also a lot of externalities. Right. Like we would need to be able to do it that quickly without burning out. But like, it's not inconceivable that we could do that. And like, yeah, so sure, you know. Um, Eventually, we'll run out of genres. It's true. But to 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 get back to to get back to that, like, I it's it's a bummer that that things go into decline and never come back. Hmm. But they do, you know. And it's the natural order of things. Yeah, and and it's you know there are there are way less people playing world of Warcraft. Now there are even less people playing Ultima online, which is still, you know, trickling along, but it's at a certain point. And I think, I think it was at a point before we actually started doing it at a certain point, it became irresponsible in terms of the future of the company and the future of even kingdom of loathing for us to spend as much time on kingdom of loathing as we were. And it, be, the right thing to do became to start working on other projects and you know we did and we saved it and now kingdom of loathing is still a thing and it's like you know probably would have been no matter what but maybe it would be like like the worst case scenario was always kingdom of loathing was doing just well enough to pay me to right. move back to arizona and keep working on kingdom of loathing which i would be fucking miserable it's not that i it's not that it's not like a game that i'm proud of and it's not like it's a thing that i that i hate or i'm just like fed up with working on but it just yeah it would just that would fucking suck that was like the worst possible outcome worse than just and like i don't you know maybe it would suck enough that if it got to that point i would just like shutter it and get a job you know probably not but who knows who knows who knows how sad i would be if i didn't have anywhere to go to work and i didn't have didn't have my friends around to work with you know you don't feel uh you don't feel sad about making a game because the game spends every day knowing that eventually it's gonna get shut down mm-hmm. yeah yeah i don't know <laughs> why why make or do anything why even get out of bed in the morning that's what i say right um but yeah, it's it's I get why someone would express that like frustration about the lack of attention and the lack of work that's going into it. And I just I like I just want people to know that it's not like we haven't thought of this, right? And it's not like we've we've just decided it's not worth our time anymore. It has revealed to us that it is not worth the amount of time and effort that it was worth in the past. And we're responding accordingly. I feel like we put a reasonable amount of effort into, into it to try to keep things, you know, sort of at least somewhat interesting. I mean, the challenge pads I think are, are definitely a big part of that. And like Chris is sort of slowly doing like monorail content and, you know, like I, I don't feel like it's, when things were happening as at our sort of fastest rate, people complained that there was too much stuff changing too quickly. So there's, there is some sweet spot in between where, 
enough stuff is happening to keep things fresh and interesting and new, but not so so quickly and so oppressively that you feel like you're going to burn out, right? So, yeah. And it's going to be different for every person, right? Every Everybody has a different threshold yeah. at which they want things to change. Yeah, I mean, I remember when, like, there were a bunch of people for whom, like, when we added the element system they were like that's it the game is too complicated now i'm done (laughs) and like there were probably some people for whom that was true you know and yeah i don't know there was definitely there were definitely missteps that were the result of us putting too much time and energy into things that would have been fine (laughs) just left alone i mean i'm honestly kind of curious like there for a while there was like i said like there was a very clear like i could just graph the amount of money that a given item of the month made and the amount of work that i put into it and it was a perfect correlation (laughs) right and that like i don't know i don't know if that's true Anymore. In fact, I'm 100% sure that it is not true at all anymore. I think the way the game makes money now is different than the way that it made money when it was making four times as much money. And it is a lot more consistent regardless of how much effort we put, how much effort we put in. And also, like... Although we, but the thing is, we never a hundred percent phone anything in. No, no, no. Like, we abs- absolutely not. I mean, so we we, we like we like want to make a sure a week on it, or do we spend two and two and a half weeks? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we make sure that it's worth it, right. I mean, because we're not like we're never like primarily making decisions based on right. based on that. Um, let's see. Glebe says. Who did the goblin tongue dialogue and how was it? Uh, how hard was it to force yourself to write like that? And also learning a second language. Uh, ah, shit. <laughs> wrote, what are the rules for goblin grammar? What are a rules for goblin grammar being? Um, so what I mean, did was, I that think? That was pretty much it right there. <laughs> yeah, I I wrote the Gary the conversation. And then you and I sort of wrote a style guide based on that. Yeah. And then you wrote all of the rest of the the goblin dialogue yeah, i pretty think much. um and i think like mine was like it just like v- messed up idioms very enthusiastic and every verb is a gerund yeah yeah uh, and yeah, that was lots, kind of lots it. of exclamation points <laughs> lots of uh yeah lots of gerunds every verb is a gerund was definitely like the most important one and uh uh, the fact that all the all the goblins are uh, uh, one, gender, one gender neutral, so that, under, so, under the earth. so you have to keep track of like like not accidentally using him instead of they, and uh, hmm. and they referred like Gary refers to himself in third person, which is sometimes something I I think I've actually forgotten here and there, but oh, instead of saying I, yeah. Yeah. Um, we had we also kind of had style guides for the others, right? Did yeah, those did were he, those were he, quite a lot simpler because those were those were more like just like 
when when Susie laughs, this is this is how that's spelled compared to how how Pete right. laughs and and the 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 general volume of apostrophes replacing missing G's and stuff that Susie uses compared to Pete and things like that. I feel like Pete sort of veered away from his original conception because like the Pete of the, of boring Springs is way less coherent than Pete as partner. Yeah. Well, cause as, as, as a partner, you kind of, you kind of have to be able to have a conversation with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also, I mean, it's. I think it's fine to like have somebody be a little wacky for a while, but it gets it gets like boring and like maybe not like super. I I don't think that something of the tone that we're striking is generally something that we need to worry about, like being insensitive about mental illness or whatever. Right? It 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 kind of seems like we for better or for worse get enough credit for coming at things from like a good natured and non hateful point of view that we don't get, we don't get the same kind of criticism that we would get if, even if we said the same things, but we're trying to be edgier uh, in general with the tone, but it just wouldn't be, I I mean, you can't just like make fun of somebody for being crazy. (laughs) Like over and over and over again for the length of an entire game, right? Like right. it just there's not. Um, Durdrum says, "Hey, Zap Bert and Cool Puzz. How I, I don't know why you're Bert. <laughs> uh, trying to figure out exactly why Socrates is a terrible golfer. I searched for terrible golfer plus <laughs> syllogism. I thought the hit mentioning Zach Johnson was something else, and it was due to Zach Johnson, the golfer." Uh, I don't remember where that came from. It wasn't, I didn't write it. I think it was in a, it was like somebody sent in a radio bugbear question about a bad syllogism Uh and it just became. Socrates is a terrible golfer. Yeah. Socrates is a terrible golfer. Just is, is like, that is the conclusion of a bad syllogism. Okay. Huh. I'm interested well, to know what Zach the whole syllogism is. Zach a man. Was. Zach Johnson is a terrible golfer. Zach Johnson is a man. Socrates. Um, but I think it wasn't about Zach Johnson, the golfer. Oh, let's see. F says, it really took me back in time to hear you mention Joe Arpaio. Do any of you miss living in Arizona with all the weird lawn laws uh, and pool maintenance? No. No. I, I miss, miss the sun. I miss Roy. I miss the weather. I miss my mom. It's video games. <laughs> In a way, I miss ha- having <clears throat> the amount of space that I had hmm. in a big house there, but I'm day-to-day happier and more satisfied with a more modest amount of space here. Um, I think partly because the weather is not actively trying to destroy everything that you own by just disintegrating it or setting it on fire or filling it with scorpions <laughs> yeah. here. I mean, the rain, the rain is bad, but that's easier to deal with. And uh, I don't know. I, I really disliked Arizona home ownership and I really like San Francisco home ownership and it, give it some time. Sure. I mean, I'll get, I like, it's frustrating that everything is so much more expensive to have done. It's frustrating that like, but I don't, 
I'm not going to run a fight. Like if I had been if I had been here when I was younger, I would have constantly been pissed about permitting mm. and everything. Right. But I don't care now. And I actually kind of like I like the idea of maintaining the kind of antique charm of the house, at least as far as from the outside. And that's all they care about. Um, there are fewer systems to go wrong. Right. Like the, you don't have to have air conditioning. It doesn't matter if your house is drafty like it does like utility costs are like 10 percent here of what they are in arizona it's bananas like by far the most expensive of my utility bills is the fucking trash pickup which is crazy like i it it doesn't make any sense to me at all it was like five dollars a month for the city of mesa to take all of your trash and recycling away and it is like sixty dollars a month to get for it's privatized maybe that's why I don't know. It's a lot more space in Arizona. There's a lot more. Yeah, there's a lot more landfill. There's things in a hole. A lot, a lot more people generating a lot more trash here. Although, no, the population of San Francisco is about the same as the population of Mesa. Yeah. Um, anyway, but San Francisco is has no extra space to throw things away. It has to cart everything much further away to. That's put, put it on a boat to China or whatever. That's true. Or take it to take, take it to Colma and hide it in a series of graves. Sure. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, a graveyard is just a landfill, is a very specific kind of landfill. Yeah, true. Sure. Um, is there anything about Arizona that you miss, Riff? I feel like I feel like you're just 100% no. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, let me think. Nope, can't think of anything. <laughs> I miss the Cornish Pasty Company. Sure. I miss, I miss uh, Mexican food. Like, I miss the kind of Mexican food that is... They have at every Mexican restaurant in Phoenix that you just can't find in the city here. Um, what about, uh, crap, what is that? I can't remember. There's a place that in San Francisco that I think has the kind of Mexican food you like, but it's just not nearby. Mm. Well, I don't know. I'm, I hope you think of it someday so that we can <laughs> go there and try it. Um, we've, we've been there. Have we? Yeah. Mm. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Okay. Sure. Well, I don't remember ever being anywhere that felt like Manuel's. Um, I don't miss uh, having to drive everywhere. Mm. Mm. Um, but it is fucking cold here. It's true. <clears throat> Let's see. Deus Ex Machina says, I noticed you called it cheer up soda and not cheer up pop or cheer up Coke or cheer up soft drink. You've staked your ground in the war of what to call fizzy drinks. I hope the soft drink gods have mercy on your souls. Yeah, I think. Do we all say soda? Yeah. Mm-hmm. As is right and proper. It's not pop water. Pop water. Whoa! As you squeeze hmm. it out of a pop rock. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very hard to do. Yeah. Uh, Sir Phil Shady says, "What has to happen for you guys to consider doing another live stream event? I missed the previous all of them during my <laughs> break uh, from the game. Ah, boy, I don't know." You know, that was like a, for a minute, we hired a PR person uh, to kind of help try to bring KOL back from the brink. And it just didn't work. You know, those things were fun, but that was a ton of work. It was a lot of work and it was like a machination, right? It was, it was a thing that we did for a particular purpose, which it did not achieve. And so, you know, um, and related question, cool anybody writes, is the time twitching tower ever going to come back? Yeah, at some point. I mean, 
there's there is I, I I'm not going to make any promises here, but there is going to be a little bit of quasi downtime between when the DLC comes out and when we even can start working on the next game in earnest in anything other than a sort of conceptual capacity. Um, Hot Stuff's going on a trip. Kevin is going on a trip, going on a vacation. Hot Stuff's going on a trip. Kevin's going on a sabbatical. <laughs> and uh, what's what's happening? producer cool is taking a leave of absence. Uh, yeah. Um, and like we're going to there are going to be some engine changes that need to be done before we can really start saving data for the new game and that's not happening until gdc which is like the middle of march end of march kind of and so it's possible that that will be a time that i will get a bug out my ass to do some significant kol work i'm not like i'm not a hundred percent sure that the spirit is gonna move me but uh you know i i might I might do some stuff like at the very least during that time, there'll probably be another like realm style item of the month. Uh, but you know, who knows, who knows, maybe I'll figure out another level to the tower and just do it as a non, a sort of a non, uh, live stream like we have in the past. Cause like making that, making that stuff for sale from the con store would, you know, that'll be economically interesting. Um, there was one more, um, Aramata says, you hate the MMG. It feeds into real addiction issues and provides nothing truly positive for the game. So why not simply remove it, ban MMG type behavior from the player base and call it good. Incremental restrictions accomplish little and fail to address the problem directly. And this was like a fairly common sentiment. Thank you, Aramata, for being nicer about it than some of the people in the forums and on Reddit. We don't know what it will do to get rid of it. And so we are scared too that's this is like we're seeing what happens when it is more restricted and yeah we'll we will decide what to do based on how that plays out because it's it's one thing to say just ban any anybody that tries to make a new yeah. one and a, a different thing entirely to enforce that yeah especially if it's happening really consistently and we just have no idea like from a certain point of view from a certain point of view, the chat is basically not running anymore, right? It's a tiny percentage as busy as it used to be. And at the same time, there are sort of more places to hide in it than there ever were. And I don't know... In general, sub-communities like the KOL of old that sustained a robust ecosystem of people ripping each other off <laughs> aren't there anymore. And I think KOLs is not there anymore to a large extent, but we don't know how large that extent is. Like, we just don't – we don't know what would happen or whether the problems that removing it would cause are – less or more difficult to deal with and time and energy consuming than the problems of letting it continue to exist. And so I don't, man, I don't know why it got 
under my skin so much having the thing that we did described as mealy mouthed. I think it's inaccurate. Yeah. But also something that I like to a fault have always strived not to be or do. And it is really annoying to me to have something that I did described that way. Like we didn't, we didn't sort of, talk around a thing we just did something and then explain exactly what we did like there was no that's it's arguably a half measure but it was a sure. measured half measure it was a deliberate yeah it was a deliberate like what do you call it not a foot in the door a toe in the water yeah to see what happens when pressure gets put on this thing as opposed to just putting infinite pressure on it all at once. Yeah. Um, so that's where that's at. I mean, you know, I, it, there's nothing bad that you can say about the MMG that I won't agree with because there's nothing bad you can say about the MMG that isn't correct. It's, it's probably racist. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't read the writing in there in a long time and neither has anyone else. <laughs> so who knows? I think, I think Jim Xenophobe wrote some of it. Maybe it's fucking super, super fucking racist. Anyway, um, I've I've been Zach Zach Johnson uh, of Loathing, uh, and and I still am Riff. Is this how we're ending? <laughs> no, I don't remember. A homespun adage. Do we yeah. end with a homespun? We end, we end with a homespun adage. Adage. Yeah. Don't let your sister's bird eat your socks. Good. Keep your eyes on the table. And don't, don't try to drink a horse. <laughs>